entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, which is a production of Business Builders Media. You can get all our shows and podcasts from more great podcasters at businessbuildersmedia.com, where we give entrepreneurs and business leaders the tools they need to have their voices heard. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. My guest today on the Business Builders Show is Jason Pfeiffer. Jason, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, all started with Entrepreneur Magazine. We'll get uh, a little deeper into that. For the introduction for Jason Pfeiffer, I'm taking something right off his website, which is jasonpfeiffer.com. And here's what it says. We are in a time of constant change, and many people's instinct will be to resist. We prefer comfort over change, but here's what I know. The most successful people in the world don't see change as something to stop. They see it as an opportunity to embrace. Now remember, these are Jason's words. That's why my mission is to help people make the most of change. I do that through Entrepreneur Magazine, where I'm editor-in-chief, keynote speaking, which I'd be happy to discuss for your next event. Pessimists archive podcast a show about how change happens which goes back in time to see why people once opposed the things we love today next the problem solvers podcast a show about entrepreneurs who adapt and solve problems in their business and last i'm exhausted just going through this hush money podcast a show that opens up conversation about taboo money topics jason firefer you are one busy dude yeah, well, and that doesn't include all of it, but it includes as much as I felt was relevant to fit on there. Yeah, I, you know, it's so funny. I wrote that new thing on my website like three weeks ago in bed, and now I, I get to hear you read it back to me. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was trying, you know, the thing was, uh, this is something that I've been struggling with for myself. I imagine a lot of people who are listening to your show do it too, which is that you we're pretty bad at defining ourselves to other people. We're, we're good at defining our brands. We're good at communicating, but when it comes to ourselves, we really struggle. And so I had been, I had been focusing in on change and understanding change. And yet when I was telling that to some old friends who were in consulting, they were like, you know, I didn't know that because I don't <laughs> see it anywhere. And I was like, that's a yeah. good point. So I've been yeah. trying to be a little more focused in how I present myself. Well, I thought it was terrific, and I hope I read Thank it you. okay. I, it was a great reading. <laughs> so um, I, I've known who you are through Entrepreneur Magazine, but I, what got a lot of my focus and my attention was the July-August 2020 edition of Entrepreneur Magazine. Yeah. Several good stories in there, but really what really hooked me was your editor's letter. letter. And it says, we need each other, and it talks about – you had 137 entrepreneurs on the cover of the magazine. Give me the backstory behind that. Yeah, sure. So when when March came along and it 
screwed everybody up. It screwed us up too. And I fled from New York where I live to my parents' house in Colorado and got on a phone call with my team. And we started to think, okay, what on earth do we do for the next issue of the magazine? Because you know, a print magazine, I don't know if you know this, but a print, a monthly print magazine is made many months in advance. We work on about a three-month lead time. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a world in which we had no idea what was going to be happening. And uh, and then our June issue got canceled uh, because of the uh, economic uncertainty at the time. And so now we're looking at July, August is the first time that we're able to send something out to readers and to put things on newsstands. And we're like, what is the world even going to be like? And we had no idea. And we, but, but we knew this, we knew one, we just couldn't do what we usually did. We couldn't just pick a great, well-known entrepreneur or celebrity and put them on the cover and be inspirational. This was called for different times and different ideas. And uh, and I think that uh, much like that thing that I wrote in my website, I think that the people who are the most successful are the ones who are willing to say, you know what, everything that worked before now goes in the garbage. It's time for something new. And so for us, we were thinking, well, the only thing that we can pretty much bank on is that Whatever happens between March and the future, that entrepreneurs are going to find opportunity, they're going to step up. And I don't mean that in some kind of selfish way. I mean that they're going to see what people need. They're going to see where they fit in. They're going to see how they can be solution makers. And they're going to be the ones who collectively come together to get us forward. It's not, okay. certainly not going to, it's not going to be government and uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be entrepreneurs, you know? And so, um, so I, uh, I said, well, why don't we then do something we've never done before and just figure out how many entrepreneurs we can fit on the cover. Just like, how many can we stuff onto the cover? And the answer turned out to be 137. And what I wanted to do was represent that we are not talking about one person. We're talking about everybody, everybody who has stepped up to make a difference to their team, to their community, whatever it is, this is what it's about right now. It's about finding ways to be valuable. And that's what we wanted to celebrate. Yeah. And and I see in here, it says, um, our sole filter, as you're going to this, they had to have done something adaptive during the pandemic, whether it was helping their team, their community, their customers, or others. So mm-hmm. I caught that. And as I read the entire magazine cover to cover, it certainly um, talked about those entrepreneurs who were doing just those things. So um, Jason, as you know, it's impossible to cover <laughs> the entire magazine. So yeah. I, I, I picked two topics that I, I'm very confident that our business audience would find interesting. And the first one I'd like to talk about is the article uh, that's uh, titled Lead with Transparency. And I guess it's Eric Yaverbaum. I hope uh-huh. I'm saying his name correctly. So, so talk to me about that. You interviewed him, correct? I did. So Eric runs a PR firm. And I talked to him on the 11th day of bed rest because he got COVID. Uh, he's, you know, he runs a he runs a very large agency. He's got a lot of employees in different cities, and he's a athletic guy. He was out for a run one day, and he started to feel awful on the run. He took himself to the hospital. They looked at him. And they said, "Go home because you're not 
you know, you're, you're, you're not uh, in need of, of intensive care right now. And these are, these are the early days. So this is when the, this is when the hospitals in New York city were literally overflowing. And so they said, go home. Um, we'll, you know, we'll take a test, uh, then go home. And so it was positive and he then laid in bed for a couple of weeks. And I talked to him on day 11 and the conversation that we had was about how he communicated to his team about himself and about their own future, because I'm sure that although they were concerned for him, they were concerned for themselves. I mean, again, this was, this was March, nobody or April or whatever it was. Nobody had any idea what was going to happen. It was freak out time, right? It was complete freak out time, complete (laughs) freak out time. Totally. (laughs) And I loved his perspective. He spoke about how he was open in a way that he had never been before with his team. He gave them all the information about himself, about the company, and he was he was willing to say to them, look, these are scary times, and I don't have all the answers. And I know that we all want to know what tomorrow looks like, but the fact of it is that we don't. And so the best that we can do right now is be aware of that and do the absolute best we can and step up in ways that we must right now. I'm not going to be able to carry this company. I'm going to need other people to step up and step in. And we're going to try to get through this as best we can. But the only thing that we know right now is that we don't know. and. Yeah. That you have to deal with that, but you know what? There is there is power in saying we don't know. There is power in it because you listen. You either don't know or you say you don't know. Both both ways you don't know, but at least in one of them you're taking control of what you don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fascinating. Again, I I, I just took bits and pieces. I highlighted a few things in the article, and it says here the illusion of control has finally been made clear for what it always was—an illusion. It's yeah. leaders. It's leadership's job to share calm, not chaos, which is what he did, right? He led with transparency, and and he talked about, uh, yeah, we need the team. We need to uh, stay calm, basically, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, those words that you read were his, and that's exactly. You know, listen, he could not provide. Uh, he could not provide soft and fuzzy uh, at that time, right? I mean, yeah, you know, he's you trying to, he wants to provide calm and not chaos as he should, but there are different ways to do that. And just because you can't tell everyone everything's going to be okay, that doesn't mean that you're not able to present some kind of calm because what yeah. he's doing is saying, look, we're going to have to deal with the facts on the ground. I'm going to be as open to you as possible. You will know everything that I know. And then we are going to do the absolute best that we can. And that is the best that we can do. And and, and you talk, Jason, you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs as I do. Yeah. <clears throat> Isn't that the best thing that happened? I mean, terrible circumstances, but sometimes when you just say those things and behave that way, doesn't the team often really, really step up? They do because they appreciate it. And because here's go. the thing, they already know. Right. You're not what you're not telling them something that they don't know. If you know, if if you're if you're a leader in crisis and you're going to tell everybody that you're in a crisis situation, they know that. 
They know that. In fact, if you try to hide it, it's going to spook them because they're going to think, oh, well, Correct. we don't have a leader who's going to be fr- who's going to be straight with us. The yeah. best thing that you can do is meet people where they are and say, we're going to I'm here with you. And, uh, and and I think that he presented calm by presenting the truth, because yeah. that that is the only thing that he had. And and that's the only thing that a lot of us have right now. We, we can we can have plans and we can offer um support and we can offer perspective, but we can't say everything's going to be okay because we don't know that. Yes, and nobody, and yep. nobody expects Nobody expects that out of us. Yeah. So my guest on the business builder show, his name is Jason uh, Pfeiffer and you can find him at jasonpfeiffer.com. It's F E I F E R jasonpfeiffer.com. And we are talking about the Let's see, the July-August edition of Entrepreneur Magazine, which I love. That's why Jason is here. Uh, And Entrepreneur Magazine is entrepreneur.com. Am I correct, Jason? It sure is. All right. Well, let's go to another story in the magazine, Another someone else that you interviewed, who we are going to interview soon. Oh, yeah. A gentleman named Alex Lazaro. And Mm -hmm. this... um, in this entrepreneur piece here, the title is The New Startup. And again, you in, you, in, yeah, excuse me, you interviewed uh, Alex. So, so tell me about that. The New Startup was the title of this article. Right. I like Alex a lot. He is an author, he's an investor, and he's an author of this new book called Out Innovate. And his argument is that the rules of Silicon Valley don't make sense for almost every other entrepreneur out there, uh, which is to say that there was this belief in raising a ton of money, focusing entirely on growth, setting aside a stable business model, and just figuring that once you reach some kind of scale and you had enough of a customer base, you'd be able to turn on a revenue model that made the company sustainable. And you know, as we're learning, of course, that was not true for a lot of companies that we Correct. You know, that we think of and that we used to talk of as major success stories. I mean, Uber loses billions of dollars a year still. still. It's crazy. And yeah. uh, and so, you know, he's he was saying, and, and he wrote this book, obviously, before the pandemic, but it happened to come out, I think, at a pretty perfect time. He was saying, don't follow this. In fact, if you study what entrepreneurs do in smaller markets with far more restrained resources, that's really the model to follow. And now what makes his message so incredibly valuable now is that this is now, I think, what everybody needs to be focusing on. You, we're in a we're in a time of great instability, and the the kind of money that was just being thrown around is mm-hmm. not being thrown around anymore. And so, let's focus on sustainable growth. Let's focus on business models that make sense from the get go, and mm-hmm. let's make sure that we're being responsible stewards of our brands, and we're being responsible to our customers and to our investors. It's not actually rocket science, but it is definitely a different way of thinking compared to what usually sucks up all the oxygen in conversations about business. Yeah. Um, he was delicate. Well, I don't know if he was delicate about Silicon Valley, but I, I like the way he approached it all. Of course, that's where I first uh, heard more about Boulder and, and all those kinds of things. And, um, but I do love the book. And uh, again, Alex's book is Out Innovate. The subtitle of his book is How Global Entrepreneurs from Delhi to Detroit Are Rewriting the Rules of Silicon Valley. One of the things that I really loved uh, in the article, uh, it says, in Silicon Valley, they're obsessed with disruption 
everyone is either disrupted or being disrupted. But what we need today is different. We need creators. Isn't that mm. great? I loved that line. Yeah, that's a really smart way of thinking about it. Uh, you know, we especially right now, you know, this is not a moment in which people are really uh, eager to feel disrupted any more than they've already felt disrupted. <laughs> right. um, yeah. But his, you know, but his point, his point and, and the larger point that that comes out of was that this is an opportunity right now for entrepreneurs to look around and say, what problems can I solve? Right. Instead of instead of looking at old industries and saying, how can I how can I take the incumbent down and simply do that better? How about we look around and we say people are suffering. Communities have brand new needs. Also, they have old needs that are being wildly exacerbated right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And these are opportunities for entrepreneurs to step up and say, I have solutions to this right now. I am here and I'm responding in the moment. You know, I mean, we always should be saying to ourselves as entrepreneurs, if I had to build this from scratch right now, what would I do, right? Don't hang on to something that was done before simply because it was done before because you've invested your time and effort into it. What sure. matters is what people need now. So let's start from right now. And that's, that's an important message and one that I think uh, is really worth paying attention to. I think the fact that, uh, well, I was confident that the stories from all over the world about people being creators, I thought that really made it even more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So, Jason, let's move on to something that um, I'll have to admit that I didn't know exist until you pointed it out to me. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued. See, I read your introduction and I'm intrigued. And I listened to uh, one of the podcasts, your Pessimists Archive. Yes. Podcast. That's first of all, that's a really cool name. I oh, like that. <laughs> so thank you. Explain to me what the Pessimist Archive podcast is all about. Maybe tell us a couple of stories from it. Get us really interested in this. Talk to me. Yeah. For sure. So this comes out of this conversation that we're having right now about the importance of change. So Pessimist Archive is a show about why the pessimists of the past were wrong and how to be optimistic about the future. And what I'm looking at is why people are afraid of change, why they resisted things that today we think of as totally commonplace. Why was there a national freakout and bans on the teddy bear in the early 1900s, right? Why were the great greatest musicians of the time when when recorded music technology were developing why were they so afraid of it that they made arguments about how it was going to turn babies into machines it's wild wild stuff and yeah. you know the the and, and i'd be happy to tell you some of those stories because they're really funny but yeah, but they, yeah, yeah okay so let me tell you one and then i'm going to tell you my big takeaway from this whole thing so um so let me tell you let me tell you actually about um let me tell you about the about john philip Sousa. So John Philip Sousa was the most famous composer of his time. He remains one of the most famous composers in American history. He wrote all the marches that everyone knows. Da, da, mm -hmm. da, 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 da. That's John Philip Sousa. So John Philip Sousa, of course, grew his career at a time in which the only way that you could hear music was if you saw it live, right? If you actually mm -hmm. saw a human being playing an instrument live in front of you, and then along comes recorded music, along comes the early record players. And he 
hates these things. He refuses to participate in them. He uh, advises his peers not to uh, not to record, and he makes these insane but pretty amazing and hysterical arguments. In retrospect, as we look back on them, and here's here's my favorite one. He said that if you allow recorded music into your home, it will replace all forms of live music. And that means that mothers who used to sing lullabies to their children will instead play the record for their children. And because children grow up imitating their mothers, the children will grow up not to imitate their mothers, but to imitate the machine. And thus we will raise a generation of machine babies. And the important, the important, you know, it's like those stories are funny and I love laughing at them, but there's a real serious point there too, which is that think about, think about the thing that he was resisting. What he was resisting was the development of the music industry that we grew up with. It was the development of radio and of 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 tape to cd to you know sales um it was uh it was the um the the growth of uh it was the growth of of music in commercials and music in movies and music everywhere it was exactly the thing that today the music industry is afraid to lose because yeah. right now the music industry is moving into streaming and to other forms and they're sure. very, very concerned. And I understand that concern. They're very, very concerned that the way that music had been monetized and the way that people built careers is disappearing. And the thing that I want everyone to understand about this story and however it applies to the industry that you're in is that we keep going through this same cycle over and over again, where somebody resists something that was new, and then that new thing actually is full of opportunity, and then the next time that it changes, everyone says, oh no, how can we lose this thing? And so what you need to think whenever change comes for you, and it will come for you, what you need to think is, you come from the future. You come from the future. You are representation. You are a representation of the thing that used to be scary to the previous generation. The technology that you use, the way that your industry operates, the jobs that you have, the way that you talk, the way that you dress, the music that you listen to, every single thing about you is from the future to a past generation. And it was scary and terrifying, but you know that it was okay because you're comfortable with it because it's good to you. And that means that the change that's coming that you either can resist or that you can adapt to and you can embrace, either way, that change is going to be good too because it was good for you. And so let's not be afraid of these things that are coming. Let's embrace them. So people have to subscribe to this podcast to, to and they go to, I believe, uh, validate this for me, Jason. That's pessimist.co, pessimist.co. That's the website, or just go to literally any podcast platform and search for Pessimists Archive. There you go. And the website is pessimist.co.co. Um, well done. Well explained. Um, Thank you. So let's wrap up by um, what's exciting in Entrepreneur Magazine for the rest of the year? Give us some little, <laughs> give us some little uh, insights here, you know? Share something with us, man. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, what's actually coming for the rest of the year is we're working on our 100 Powerful Women issue, which comes out every October. So I'm excited about that. That's always a great one. And uh, and then, um, you know, we're going to end the year with a future of entrepreneurship uh, issue, which is going to be really interesting. Uh, but, um, but, you know, I would say, listen, the thing I love 
love about uh, about being an entrepreneur magazine is that we get to be really open about our own entrepreneurship. And there is no denying that being in any industry right now, and particularly the media industry, is a real uh, is a real roller coaster. And so we are figuring it out as we go. You know, we we scrapped the entire structure of the magazine for July, August, and we reinvented it from scratch. And we're going to keep reinventing. We're going to keep exploring. We're going to figure out new ways to tell stories. We don't have all the answers at all. And I think that it's much like Eric Yaverbaum, it's fine to say that. I feel fine telling you and telling readers that we do not know exactly what we're doing, but we're going to do the absolute best that we can and try to provide as much value as possible. Well, you got my attention. That's why you're here. So, I appreciate that. Yeah. So Entrepreneur Magazine, I've been a fan for years. I've seen it morph. I've seen the great work that you're doing. So Jason Pfeiffer has been my guest. His website is jasonpfeiffer.com. You can learn more at entrepreneur.com. You'll definitely want to subscribe to the podcast. Just go to your podcast source, wherever you go, and look for a Pessimist Archive, and you can find it there. Wow. So great discussion, Jason. I really appreciate you taking time to be with us. Hey, I really appreciate you. Thanks for reaching out. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. To listen to all our shows and other great podcasts, go to businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. Until next time, I'm Marty Wolf. Thank you for listening to the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com.